So, Jonathan, before I start again, thank you for your time. I know I can't do any of this without you guys giving me your time. So the first question to you is, why do you want to do this interview? It's a good question. Well, I, well, I, a bit like you were saying earlier, there's, um, it's quite difficult to find places to connect with people who are doing the same thing. Um, and actually, I think when you're trying to get a, an enterprise going in whatever way you're trying to do that, actually it can be sort of tremendously isolating because you feel like you're surrounded by lots of people who are doing it the conventional way or a classic way. And, and so actually it's, I was interested to make a connection into a, into a, a strand of thinking or a strand of uh, a network of people that were sort of like-minded. Um, okay. And Stephen Green, who you interviewed before me, or I guess must be, or might be 62, might, you might have done others since then. I've just done one more be between him, which was Catherine Ryan Hyde, who's the author of and founder of, you know, Pay It Forward, the movie? Yeah, I do. Yeah, it hurt. Great. Uh, so, yeah, so I know Stephen really well, and he's one of the sort of few people, and it really is a handful of people, maybe two, three people. Um, and so when the when that came up, actually, if anything, it was um, didn't feel like a chore. It feels like an opportunity to to talk about some of this stuff in a more open space than, um, than you're usually presented with. Okay, thank you. That's, so that's why. So how would you define a maverick? Um, well... I think that Maverick probably wouldn't think of himself as a Maverick, first of all, if they're really a Maverick. I think there's a lot of... Uh, it's not something you... It's not a term you take on for self-image, if that makes sense. Right. Um, because the, the, the sort of... The job of trying to do things differently actually is an incredibly difficult one, and it's one that's sort of never-ending, and it requires um, complete faith and commitment to it. And so that, that job of sort of standing against the wind of everything else um, is sort of tougher than any image that it might bring you of being the challenger. So if that makes sense. So I think the truth... It makes truth, complete sense. Yeah, I think it's a bit like, um, you know, uh, and I don't even know at what point you even realise you've made a difference or not made a difference. I think it's sort of, it's sort of, a, it's sort of a... It's a duty you take on more than... Um, than a characteristic of a person or an image of a person. And I think often some of the, let's say, the safest-seeming people can be can be actually the toughest in standing up for different ways of doing things. Okay. So I would describe a maverick then as someone with sort of a clarity of purpose and an idea about how things should be different and probably above all a commitment to stick to those things, um, to really see where they take them, even if it takes them nowhere. Okay. Why do you think you're a maverick then? Well, it's, well, it's interesting because I'm not sure. I'm not sure I would qualify myself in that way. Um, I mean, are, do we have? Have we broken away from big and existing systems of doing things? Yes. Are we trying to do new things? Yes. And so I suppose, are we committed to it? Yes. All the things I just said, yes. So in that respect, yes, I would qualify myself as a maverick. I can, what the question was. Can I, it was oh. why do you think you defined well, what a maverick I, was and then why do you think you are? So you yeah. your definition was it's clarity of purpose. So my although it's not one of the questions I'm asking you, is do you have a clear clarity of purpose? Mm. We do, yeah. And I think Excellent. that there are two two aspects to it. One is a human one. 
right. which can be extremely personal. And then the other one is um, really, the, let's say, the, the, the business one, which is the one that you might be taking to the marketplace or whatever. In a People might engage with this or benefit from it in some way that's good for business. Um, but the human one really is just a profound belief that if you have gifts, um, if you have a, a talent or something, you have abilities and you have some level of resources, then you should try to just use those to make as much human progress as you possibly can. Um, and that means trying to do things differently. Um, that's, to me, the definition of progress is trying something that hasn't been done before. Wonderful. And so I just, I just think it's the, human, it's the human way, to me, to make the most of the time that you have is, is to do that. Um, so although I spent a lot of my time in the corp corporate system, in existing systems, a lot of, I mean, our industry advertising as a whole tries to live in the space of taking business into new places, or I think it's hugely conservative in many, many ways, much more so than it might seem. Um, a lot of that was just about learning and gaining the requisite knowledge to be able to go and do something with it, if that makes sense. So I think it was always in my heart as a human being to want to take the privileges that I've had, the benefit of learning and education that I've had, and try and make it create some kind of progress. Okay. Um, so that's the first one. And then the second one is... Um, is then you know what's the you know why is the agency different and really that's about the types of work that we want to see that make it in most great ideas um, that, are, that are genuinely different don't make it into the world in the current system of advertising that's just because they're big companies hired by big clients and with that comes a lot of risk aversion and risk management and so to try to create a system where our own company is more open to that stuff happening more open to the chaos and the environments that allow those things to all be created in the first place and then a little bit more vigilant and um, aggressive in trying to put those into companies to see what they can do for them. That's kind of, if you like, we're not anything materially different. We create advertising, same yeah. as other ad agencies, but where we're different is in the level of, you know, uh, difference and risk attached or perceived risk attached to some of the ideas that we actually have and a willingness to back them here and with the clients that we have to to help the whole ad industry, if you like, see different ways of doing things or different kinds of creative output. Wonderful. I might actually shout for help when I'm ready to get this out there because I have no idea yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the the yeah. London School of Economics developed a mavericism scale. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you seven statements. You just need to say true, false, can't decide. Mm -hmm. People tell me that I'm a maverick or words to that effect. Uh, false. I have a knack for getting things right when least expected. Uh, true. I have a way of solving problems which is different from other people. Uh, true. I am much more productive than other people. True. I have very unusual talents. Mm, that's false. I am generally underestimated by people. Um, false. I do things differently and better than most people when I work. Um, true. Why do you do things differently? Um, well, I think the it was more the produced results when you work a bit, actually, because I think doing differently isn't... Um, actually, a lot of what you need to do to be able to achieve things differently is actually to be able to sort of be persistent in ways that are sort of consistent. So, look, there's no escaping... Um, hard work, commitment, learning about stuff, lots of listening, um, being open yourself, 
having great reference points, you know, all training, all this kind of stuff. What you know, it's, it's a you're working on it, and you're working on it all the time, and there's no escaping that. Whether you want to run a marathon or whether you want to, whatever you mm-hmm. like to do, it's going to require loads and loads of effort. I mean, even your look at your thesis and now this, the number of interviews, the amount of time, the amount of processing, etc. Are those things different? No, those things are exactly the same as anyone who's just trying to learn and be as good as they can do. Where it is, where it's different is that um, I think you're open to the discomfort of when you a lot of maybe a few different ways. One is you're open to discomfort, and that can mean um, doing things against your own learned intuition. Mm-hmm. You know, doing things again with your intuition against what you've learned and often had heavily ingrained. Yeah, that always feels quite uncomfortable. It just like you're like what you're doing actually doesn't make any sense. Mm. So, um, getting comfortable with that sometimes, getting comfortable, really comfortable with the idea that um, when that doesn't work, it doesn't mean that the idea of doing that doesn't work. Um, and then I think um, being really counterintuitive as well between what feeds the business and what feeds the ideals. So, okay. um, when you're feeding the business, it will lead you down the same paths okay. that it does when you're trying to feed the ideals. So, I have to say that the Working differently mostly has to do with being uncomfortable about the, the paths you're choosing versus ones you've seen in the past. Okay. Getting quite comfortable with that. And can you give me an example of something you do differently? Um, well, so for example, um, I don't. I don't ask people to share any um, of the. Uh, normally, say on a creative product, someone like me would be heavily involved before we ever meet with a client, mm-hmm. um, and and just generally, the like, all the product would kind of be checked by me at some at some level. It's not my primary responsibility, okay. but, it would, but it would happen as the CEO of the company. So what would happen is it would go to the creative director for checking, then it would almost come to me because they think it has to because I'm the person with the authority and then what I might do is I might intervene or you know because I can see stuff and I might insist that I see stuff so I can make those interventions and I choose not to do that I choose not to have any involvement with the approval direct approval of the work so it's totally possible I'll be going to a meeting and not have even seen the work right Um, and I I try to keep away from you know or touching the work in kind of any way okay and that's so that's quite different from most CEOs who will roll in advertising agencies you can actually often take quite a controlling more controlling than they realise starts on the output of the agency. Okay. I think that's quite important. Is what you do equated to the bottom line or to something else? Something else. What's the something else? Developing human potential. Excellent. Is any part of a ma- being a maverick to do with autonomy over your life? Yes. Yes, of course. How so? Um... Uh, well, you need to be match fit as in yourself as you are, you know, to in order to be able to take on the challenges of wanting to do things differently because it requires a level of confidence and, and actually happiness to be that way. Um, and so, one of the things, for example, is I had a lot of big titles and worked for a lot of big famous companies. A lot of the work we've had to do has been small and unnoticed. In comparison, and you have to drop the ego around that to make any sort of differences. So yeah, you have to let go of a lot of things um, that you might you might have judged yourself by in the past, okay. and judge yourself by your own 
what you really want as a human being versus maybe what the you know what the acclaimed system of doing well equals yes um, so yeah you you do have to be quite happy in your own skin and I find that the more you do it the more you spend time in fishing the better you get to know yourself as well because obviously you, you put yourself there for a reason and the closer you get to that reason the, the more um the more you can the more clarity you do it with actually and the less because often what happens is you get part way down the path then the world will say no and then you go oh maybe we were wrong all along maybe it's the wrong idea so then what you do is you try to you take some of it off and you become more like something else you have to keep pulling it back yes. so you have to be a bit careful of that in order to do that thing you get to know yourself each time you face that a bit more yeah and um you get clearer and clearer and clearer on what sort of driving it so i think that's right it's a sort of a level of in tune in tune with what you really want okay um, just doing things different you've you sort of answered this question earlier on but i don't know if you want to add anything else but does doing things differently require certain skills talents mindsets and if so what are they hmm. um, i think i think you need to be um, you need to be really willing to um, well you need to be able to sort of reach inside to find confidence in your ideas um, because what you'll find is if you ask people they don't know and when they don't know what they do is they resort to the typical ways and often if you have spent you know if we spent time in big business those those ways will be articulated and very rational uh, so you know the, the, it'll, it'll be good reasoning you know you'll be surrounded by smart people saying smart things and so the more you ask smart people about the way things might be done differently or whatever the more views you'll get, they're all very clever, they all have validity, but in a funny sort of way that don't help you answer the question of is it going to work or not in any way, shape or form. So I think you have to get really comfortable with this idea that you might go around all these smart people that you, you know, have faith in their brains and the way they see things, but ultimately have to kind of go, well, I'm going to have to just set all of that to one side and just try this anyway, because there is no, there is nobody or there isn't anything that's going to be able to say, yes, that's definitely something to try beyond the one or two people that say, well, I don't know if it's the right answer or not, but I really believe in the endeavour and the pursuit of it is definitely the right way to go, even if it doesn't, isn't the right thing to do yeah, in the end. Yeah, I think it sort of comes down to it's the journey, not the destination. But in business, you still got to make money, so I understand the, the two mm. concepts. What mm. are the challenges to being a maverick? Money is the big one. Uh, as you just said it, I mean, um, business doesn't reward, reward it. Uh, it rewards it in certain occasions when it's been proven to be a mass, you know, volume mm -hmm. situation. Um, but in the early days, when most most new ideas are, are pretty bad in the beginning, and they need you know they need time to develop, time to figure themselves out and to become something else. Um, and during that stage, they're highly vulnerable to running out of cash or okay. not having the space to develop and become something else. Okay. Uh, now, in tech, if you work in tech at the moment. There seems to be a lot of people who are willing to pour a lot of money to let that process take place. So they'll, as long as they're generating a com community, so as long mm. as you've got an audience that's building and growing, people will keep fueling to see where the, the business model going. That's kind of one way of doing it. But for a lot of other industries, our industry, if you make products, if, you, you know, uh, if you're in different kinds of services, you may not have that, that organic curve in order to sort of discover it. So capital, you know, and we live in a capitalist system, so... You know, people judge how things are going by profit, which actually is a circle. You know, so if you don't have profit, you don't have any 
ability to get things wrong. Mm. So I, I really think capital investments move on. At the same time, having too much money can also can also uh, confuse you because you end up um, not finding the weaknesses quick enough, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So in a way, it does provide a sort of real-world test of some things, validity. Do people like this? Do Is it helpful to them? Yeah. Does it move us forward? Because they say, don't they, people become most creative when they have the least amount of money. Yeah, I mean, I think poverty's helped us. Yeah. It, well, it certainly helped us be truer to the cause. Okay. I think so, there's real examples of... And actually, when we've been successful, um, you know, some of our success has pulled us away from that cause at times. Okay. So that's true. But um, that's the one that always looms on our mind is um, having sufficient freedom to really... To really be able to go even further in some of your ideas, you know. Okay. What's been the lowest point of your journey as a maverick? Well, you face actually failing. You know, and I know people talk about this. You know, freedom to fail and happy to fail and all this kind of stuff. But you know, actually, when you peer at the face of failure, it doesn't feel as honourable as that okay. at all. Um, it doesn't feel in any way like, oh wow, it's all great. We're just going to fail. It just feels like a gigantic. Um, waste of um, human effort and time and you feel pretty low and stupid actually okay. uh, for wasting that time so I say and when I say failure I mean actually the business running out of money and you having to close um, or certainly peeking at the possibility that that might happen if certain events don't come to your aid or that kind of thing and you you definitely face into that on you never actually cross it actually you always find a way through but you um, it's I've definitely faced that you know Probably once, you know, once, and I know, and it's like being kicked really hard in the ghoulies. Yeah. Um, and um, you know, it's a it's a setback like any other material sort of setback in your life, where in theory it doesn't matter, and of course you'll it'll move on, and yeah. there'll be other things. But but at, at the time you still got to go through it. Yeah. At the time yeah. you're thinking, we've really got this wrong here. Yeah. Um, and that's a it's difficult. It's a difficult when things are going well and your you know success is easy, but actually it's the bits to ride through the bits where you get it wrong. Mm. The other one that's that's tricky is um, the other one that's tricky is well it's not like fatally wrong, mm. but it seems to be taking a hell of a long time to get it right. You know some things take six months, a year, eighteen months before they really flower, yeah. and that period can be exhausting because it can feel like sometimes you're you're just absolutely going nowhere. Oh, oh my God, away, I can away, so feel this. I mean, last week, I had a few weeks off. I had three interviews lined up. Um, two of them just didn't show. Mm. Um, although they'd arranged it the times like we had, you know. Three of them didn't show. And one of them, within two or three minutes of be starting the interview, it became apparent that this person was really passionate about what they did. But they weren't. Um, they were not a maverick in any shape or form. <laughs> and I'm like thinking that okay, that's free wiped out. And it's you know like I gave up my job. I'm earning no income. I'm doing this because I think this is what I was put on earth to do. Mm. But it's kind of like yes, I feel the pain. Yeah, we got future. Oh yeah, definitely. What aspects of your personality or character influence your maverick approach? Um. I think, interestingly, things like sensitivity and empathy and human stuff. Yes. Uh, I think, um, yeah, really sensitivity, I think, is the big one because it's the one where you can pick up. You, that's the one that where you can sort of look at people, or, you know, people and kind of go, well, why, why does it work like that? Why couldn't it work like this? 
So I think that's one one thing. Yeah. Um, and I think um, I think a, a belief in um, I don't know if intrinsic value is the right word, but that kind of a word, you know, that doing something to try and make some kind of progress for the sake of it yeah. is is as important as whether it makes a million pounds or, or whether whether a hundred thousand people like it, you know. Yeah, the, exactly. The, the the muscle's an important one. Yes. Um and I think then the last one is probably um a bit of idealism, you know. Um wanting yeah, wanting to wanting things to be you know, somebody said something like it's to do with the Reethan principles of the BBC, just one example. So I think the original thing was, oh, are you going to give the public what they want? And he said, no, we're going to give them far better than that. And I think that kind right. of idealism of, of um, we, things can be better, everything can be, yeah. can be better than where it is. is, is and that's the, same, that's the same philosophy that um, Apple used, wasn't it? Because people didn't know they needed a shuffle. No. And, and no. then they created all these things that... And they took theirs was a, theirs was a, a, exactly the same way of thinking because of when they don't know what they need. Mm. We're going to give there's them something, something. There's something really wonderful that happens when you because I think there are lots of things that we sort of think we need in the end but probably don't. Mm. Um, but there's there is something I think that happens when you a really great breakthrough is made, whether it's something we buy or something we don't buy, which is that it does feel human and it does feel sort of inevitable. Yes. Um, you know, almost like it was there all along and it just was just waiting to sort of be discovered or um, yeah, you know, like a great song or something. It's just sort of, it's not quite, you can't quite put your finger on it, but it sort of feels natural in some ways. Yeah. I think that's... Uh, it was, it's almost like it wasn't there, but now it's here. Yeah. It's, life is better because it is. Yeah. Yeah. I it get sort of clicks. It sort of clicks. Mm. Do you think, are you born or bred a maverick, do you think? born okay and do you think your childhood in any way impacted on your being a maverick 100 percent um do you want to elaborate give me an example something from your childhood that you knew or you were gonna well my mum um mum's really big example she was just from a working class background who um uh grew up post-war and the kind of baby boomer and they were all in assisted housing and stuff like that right um you know, it wasn't it wasn't like a super poor. It's not a, yeah, yeah. You know, it wasn't like most people were during that period. But she just kind of looked around herself and had an idea that that's not how it's going to be. A lot of people just they they were almost anti people um, leaving the close and that kind of stuff. Oh yeah. She just decided it wasn't for her, and so she left school at sixteen and um, became a salesperson and then became a business person and basically carved her own way through her own means, you know, and did it all off her own back um, and sort of created all these things from, from nothing, really. So there was, no, there was no resources, there was no education, no anything like that. She just went out into the world and staked her claim and just sort of said, well, if you give me that, I think I can do that job maybe better than it's currently being done, learned how to do it, went and did it and progressed from there just sort of bit by bit by bit. And I think, well, th- there were sort of two parts to that. One is the taking your claim in the world and and not accepting that, you can't do something and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think the other one then is um, the determination. But I think the sort of one that I admire most is that real something that comes from nothing. You know, like so, just some. You know, there were sudden, there was suddenly a 
you know, a, a business that did all these things and it didn't come because of the MBA, like you said earlier, it didn't yeah. come because somebody invested a million quid. It came just because of whatever she managed to get done by the millions of conversations and work and effort. And, you, exactly. you know, over the years you kind of went, wow, where yeah. did that come from? So <laughs> I think that was really, um, I, you know, and you see that, that attitude's all around you in the way that even though I went through a formal education, um, you know, your family life is surrounded by that kind of thinking. Yeah, kind of good thing. for her. And yeah. in that generation, big up and respect to her because that, <laughs> yeah. you know, we need we need girls like that on this planet. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, kind of in a funny sort of way, like, you know, given the sort of head starts that yeah, this, but, this system has had. Yeah. I kind of go, you know, it has to... It has to eclipse that. So, in a way, what she was able to do in business, we want to take it further and achieve something in business, but also something more enlightening because it is a more privileged system, you know. Yeah. How is your enthusiasm and drive and energy related to being a maverick? High. I'd say very high, yeah. Very, um, uh, have very high levels of energy. (laughs) <laughs> it's a common theme that's emerging yeah I really yeah very high levels of energy and um, actually high metabolism and uh, good blood pressure and things like that yeah so yeah really... I think you need the good blood pressure because otherwise we'd all be slashing our wrists <laughs> yeah exactly yeah um, so yeah na- naturally energetic yes how do you see rules um mostly as uh, mostly as things that have been prefabricated to determine very specific outcomes um i think rules are different from disciplines mm-hmm. um so i think rules by and large are created to you know probably to simplify at best uh, mm-hmm. to get started maybe but i think ultimately they're they're there to be um questioned okay um, which is different from disciplines. Uh, discipline, so the ability to stick to things, to try things, to do the hard work that's necessary. Right. I think those things are um, are quite important. Okay. Um, you can't, you know, there's no such thing as just being a maverick and thinking of crazy things and hoping that's enough. You know, there's nowhere near enough. In fact, most people are a bit like that. That's fine. It's the sort of going through with it in a very sort of methodical fashion. Is the bit that's, so the discipline of work ethic and application applying yourself yes um you know getting up and staying true and all those kind of things it is um you could call those rules but they're not i think they're disciplines and that's different so discipline i'm i think is important in your practice in your routine whatever but i think rules are mostly not not to be fussed too much about for the most part yeah because from what i'm hearing from you it's almost like you can have the crazy ideas but if you haven't got the discipline you know, anybody can have a. This is my theory: is anybody can have a crazy idea. Yeah, I have sixty billion crazy ideas every day. How do I execute this? I think it all comes down to execution. Like, I mean, I have this post-it note on my. <laughs> Very good. So that every time I do something, I'm like, how am I going to perfectly execute? Because if there's one thing I've learned from the Mavericks, is the difference between. One of the biggest differences between those who are succeeding and those who are not succeeding is to do with their execution. Mm. And I have this brilliant idea, so how am I going to execute this? Because otherwise all that remains is, is a brilliant idea. 
So yeah, you know, I think you know it takes a lot of work to get the perfect execution. Oh, it's very rare you just hit it. Yeah. But I mean, not just that, but actually, even when you execute it perfectly, um, you know, the whole world tends to entropy. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't inherently want to move on. No. You know, we're habit-forming creatures, yeah. and so actually, just going out into the world with that perfect execution, getting you know, banging heads together to get people to notice it is also, you know, uh, a job you've got to stick to. Definitely. Have you always taken a maverick approach to business or was there a particular trigger? Uh, no, I mean, I spent quite a lot of time um, following the career pathway. Okay. Existing career pathway. Um, although I always knew at some point this was going to happen. Okay, uh, so what... So was there, did something happen, Jonathan, where you turned around and said, right, enough, I've done it this way, now I'm going to do it like this, or? Yeah, so um, first, basically at a certain point in time, I can't quite remember when, Okay. decided that um, I would start an agency before I was 35. Okay. And so I figured that, it, I think the thinking would have gone something like, by then I, I will have accumulated enough knowledge of the business to know how I wanted to change it and to have enough experience to be listened to, right? Um, in order to, you know, in order to change it, because in the beginning we don't know anything about anything. Um, you know, you don't. You can be full of good ideas, but because you don't know how this, how it works, you don't know how to actually get that idea done and changed and made. And whilst had lots of ideas pretty early on in the business, you know, uh, it takes a lot longer than that to be able to understand the systems that power it in order to be able to go in and change all those systems to make your very simple change actually even work, including how to just even organise a company or right. get a group of people together. So I figured um, that was an age where I will have enough under my belt but have not not let it too long, you okay. know, such that actually you're, you spend your entire time in learning and you never actually get to it. To it, okay. So that's why. Are you always a maverick or do you choose to be so at times and why? That's a really good question. I'm sure there are... Um, I think it does, yeah, it definitely, the idea of everything can be better definitely is a sort of, um, it goes across everything. Um, the only thing is, is you, you have to pick where you can invest your, what time you have and to some extent what resources you have. So yeah, most of my efforts will go on the company. So I'll let myself off, you know, at home, for example. But even then, right now, you know, the house is in a bit of a state. So we'll go, right, let's, we're going about to improve all of that. And then when that mode switches on, it's almost like, yeah, great. Where can we take this? That's different. Okay. Uh, how, how can we how can we do it more more creatively or more interestingly? But yeah, you do in some areas inevitably you don't you don't get to it. But if you're yeah if you're getting to it, then you try to you know try to make it more interesting or better. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. And do you turn your maverickism level dial up and down? Like in this situation, I can be as as crazy with my ideas as I can, but in this situation, they're not ready for this. They only need to see this bit of the maverick. Yeah, I think you... Um, I mean, inside, no. It's the same volume. Yes. Um, and it's the one way of thinking as well. There is no separate modes, but I think sometimes you uh, have to um, it allow people to have the space to come around to it, yeah. Okay. Which, which means sometimes... Letting them find their reasons rather than you making it explicit an explicit part of who you are. Okay. And is this choice conscious or unconscious decision? Pretty conscious because you become aware that actually you can do more harm than good by 
presenting your by presenting the full force of, I mean we sometimes get this when we interview people here and I'll go do you realise this is a company committed to developing human potential and you lose people yeah. and they go I don't really know what you're on about it might make sense to you because you've been sitting there thinking about it for years or you've, been, you've committed yourself to it for the last couple of years but I just want a job in advertising mm-hmm. um, and so you can actually you can you can lose connection with people through that and yeah. actually sometimes it's quite difficult to even relate to people on some of those higher things yeah and sometimes they probably are doing it they do believe in it it's just like they said they haven't stopped to think about it and it's and uh, the risk would be it'd be awful to lose the person who came to the interview who didn't get that bit but got it in their heart and was going to be the person who brought something to your organization that you didn't have that's exactly that yeah that's yeah. exactly that. Okay. I think there's those people are all around us. They they have it in their heart, but they haven't got to it yet. Yeah, I'm quite uh, fortunate. Those people, you know. I'm quite fortunate that because I'm a business coach, I can usually see that in people. So yeah. because of that, I will wait past that, and then later on they will go, you know what? No, 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 no. Yeah, that makes sense. What are the advantages and disadvantages of having this maverick approach in business? Mm. Um, the advantages are that you, um, you you feel tremendously fulfilled to to pursue it, and I meet lots of people and spend time with people who they've got really great jobs or even very successful, but they're sort of missing that because I think it's human human to want to p- pursue some kind of progress, and so they're sort of denying themselves a bit of their own humanity in a way, and you can sort of see that and you get varying degrees of it some are, some are totally defined by how much money they've made or how many people like what they've done or whatever in which case um, it's sort of fine for them to an extent but I th- most people I meet are kind of don't have that this thing that we're doing which is a sort of human fulfilment yeah I saw this lovely quote yesterday Jonathan that is what you just said made me think of and it said um isn't it sad? Some people are so poor, all they have is money. <laughs> yeah. And I really like that because it well, it's, it speaks my language. So. Well, I mean, it's a lot of studies on the richer you get, the more unhappy you become. Yeah. Um, so the disadva- so the advantages and the disadvantages. Well, the disadvantages are um, uh, not a few disadvantages really one of them is it's sometimes um, uh, you just get frustrated with the world not you know um, taking notice or um, taking the progress you know mm. uh, instead it rejects it and says no and that's that. and actually most of the time it says no so yeah. it's the, you live for the few times that it actually says yes and that can be very um you can end up sort of almost wanting to give up on people and kind of go, well, just maybe the world doesn't want to progress. <laughs> maybe it just wants it the way it wants it. Yeah. <laughs> we're wasting our time. And that's a kind of, that's a sad reality. That would be a very sad sort of reality to, if it, if it were true. But uh, one of the things... feel thing, like that sometimes. Yeah, one of the things, I mean, I'm telling you things that are coming out from the work already because I don't want to miss the opportunity to tell you these things. Okay. And I, I will figure out a way how to get this all out to all my mavericks. But one of the things is, it's like, Sometimes when people have had amazing ideas, it's not that there's anything wrong with the idea, that one of the things that kept cropping up, okay, and keeps cropping up is the world wasn't ready for it. Mm. The world wasn't ready for it yet. That it, 
timing seems to be a big thing. Yeah. Okay, has age and experience altered your maverick approach? And if so, how have you grown? Mm. So I think, um, I mean, lots of things. One, I think, uh, you know, a healthy understanding of the status quo, Mm -hmm. followed then by a sort of really vehement rejection of the status quo. Right. So learn all about it, and then suddenly it was just reject the whole thing and let's do this brand new idea okay um and yeah and then a kind of um a bit of both so sometimes the way things work isn't entirely wrong it just needs a tweak so there's a kind of you can become more sort of tempered i think rather than just constantly swinging between it's not binary sometimes there's some things that are a bit grayer so that's kind of one thing is um you don't have to be militant about it in order to make it happen and in fact sometimes not being militant can kind of help you I think the other thing is you do get um, I think well my personal experience was that when we 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 rejected the system and then had an initial burst of incredible success and then in a way we became more like the system as a result but we hadn't realised we were right because that's what happened now you've got success and with success comes um, conforming at that stage. So I think having real confidence to go all the way and then continue, because once you've got some success, you don't want to let it go, right? So you're kind of like, oh, no. So I think having to sort of let go a little bit of, um, you know, the, some of the trappings of it, I think, is also quite an important way to keeping it. Because suddenly, suddenly at certain points, we're like, oh, hang on a minute, we're sort of less the company than we were a minute ago. And I found sometimes when you get back to those original ideals again, you really feel the energy come back into the situation. Yeah, you it, come back into yourself. Well, just just from what I've heard from you at the moment, you know, I I can't imagine that if you no, actually, I I already know this. It's not about imagining it. If you if you were like ninety years old, Jonathan, and you were like a multi billionaire because you had this amazingly successful advertising agency. But in your heart, you knew that that you you'd conformed, and you'd and because it gave you a better lifestyle, more money in the bank, that you'd kind of sold out. I don't think you'd be happy with that. I think you'd be miserable with that. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think one of the things you get comfortable with is the idea that it might achieve none of those things, but you're going to be happy that you were the, gave it a, stuck to giving it a go. Yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, there's a whole different conversation here that I could go off That's right. What aspects of your business are you most maverick in? So what do you do that's most unlike other businesses? Um, well, we... The, these sound like small things, but I think actually in the scheme of the way corporations work, they're not, but we're um, tremendously accepting, accepting of, you know child states of behaviour excellent as a dominant system <laughs> exactly all of that yeah but do you know what now it's really funny because people would say oh that's not the way to do business isn't it aren't the most creative people on the planet children they are and so is the child state so, so I think exactly it okay. doesn't sound a big thing, but it's, it is, because most people go, oh, we're very creative here, but they don't really want the things that go with the child state. I mean, it means unpredictability. It means 
messiness. I mean, all kinds of things. Yes. Um, okay. That, that, are, that are all quite detailed, but contribute to. Sometimes I feel I come into work and I, you know, I go, "My God, what have we created? Is it just a well-funded youth club?" Um, what if that? What if? Yeah, but what happens if that is all it is? Well, then it's probably the most. I think it's closer to the greatest creative agency that ever existed than we'd like to believe <laughs> there you go you know sometimes it's about you know it's i'm gonna see i mean i would love to come into your agency and see you work because obviously i would see it in a completely different light sometimes yeah. when you're inside it's hard to be objective anymore yeah you know like i don't see myself i keep going off on tangents but this is bloody interesting it's like people will say you know i gave up a really well-paying job right and I'm so fiercely independent and I haven't been working for like nearly eight, 18 months now, yeah, because I'm so fixated on this. I get up at six o'clock, I do my meditation, I get straight in my gym gear and I start working. The reality is I've never worked so hard in my life for no money, but I'm so passionate. I've been saying it out loud. Yes. Richard Branton is going to be interview 100. <laughs> it's, as, it's as simple as that there's no if buts or maybes and that's not as far away as you think which you no I know it's not as far away because so far you're never going to believe it three people have wanted to introduce me to him yeah, we, we're connected to Richard Branson not directly but yeah yeah so it's kind of like you know uh, anyway so I will focus that back on this yeah. after. it's gonna it, it will happen because the universe cannot not let this happen it's as simple <laughs> as that it doesn't have an option. Don't put me here to do this and then not make it happen. I'm, do <laughs> I'm doing my half of it, so you've got to play ball as well. Okay, so what aspects of your business are you least maverick in? What do you do just like every other company? Um, for running a finances. Yeah, top answer every time. Yeah, you can't run a finances maverick. I tried that. It mm. doesn't work. No. Um, but yeah, uh, that stuff is, I mean, it has a lot of creativity in it and it has a lot of subjectivity and it's a lot of, there's a lot of interesting ways of doing stuff back there, but the fundamentally the way you process it, you know, is, is like a computer. I've got to tell you this, I was into all the time, I kept saying to people, you know, I'm hoping that one person is going to turn around and say they figured out how to mavericky-fy the finance system. And this guy I was interviewing said... But why would you waste your energy trying to you know, do that, achieve that, when you could be devoting your energy to doing this to make the world better? Yeah. And I thought, do you know, I never actually stopped to think about it, where you're <laughs> channeling your energy. How do you balance being a maverick with home life? That's very difficult. Um, so, um, you, I don't know if you ever really do. You just try, you just do the best you can. Okay. Um, and... It's very difficult switching gears from this to home. Um, so try to just have to go through that. So when you get home, you know, the couple of hours, if it's in the evening, it'll only take an hour or so. If it's in the weekend, it might take the morning just to wear your half on. And then by the time you're over the hump, it's kind of fine. And the same on holidays, really, is I'll usually not take more than about 10 days, but the first four will be sort of spent trying to change gear and, even if you set everything up brilliantly to leave, you can't sort of help yourself. So you just you just do the best you can. And I find then the days when you have switched off is uh, are really good. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, it's a it's a great way to sort of refresh. Yeah, and recharge. Yeah. 
Is any part of being a maverick related to the legacy you want to leave behind? Uh, that's a good question. Not, mm, is it legacy yet? No. I think that comes after you think you've got somewhere. I think you go, right, well, Jesus, what does it mean? And, um, but I, I haven't, no, I haven't got to legacy just yet. I mean, if you... Okay. If you... But you're not wrong, but if there's a... As far as I'm concerned, if you said... Yeah, I think it's just because I'm still looking up. I haven't got to the top mm. yet. So when, it, when you get there, I think I'll be much more concerned about, well, how do we sort of capture this forever? Um, yeah, but some of us will be the sort of people will always be looking up. It's like a lower rung of the ladder. It might be that. It yeah. might be that as well. I haven't figured yeah. that out. I mean, I think it would be... It's a good point. It's not... I mean, the idea of leaving some progress is important, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. How much of anything of being a maverick is related to give back or paying it forward? Big. Um, well, quite a lot of it, actually. So I think if we just have that that, that outlook, then, um, well, the idea of progress is trying to pay it forward of, of any kind, even if it's in business. So, um, And certainly with the people and all that kind of thing. I mean, one of the things I really love as a side effect is the other people that get affected by yes. it who have positive outcomes yes. know, and the other businesses. And we, I think a lot about what we, what we could do if, from a sort of liberal or philanthropic kind of point of view. Philanthropic philanthrop- yeah. is kind of too, it's probably too strong a word in life. There's too many giving programs that aren't really about giving. But like we No, about- but there is, there is an element about being philanthropic in business. The guy I was supposed to be interviewing on Friday... His name's Mike Dixon, and he's wrote a book called um, Please Take One, How to Live a More Generous Life. And whereas most people go into businesses and tell them how to make more money, he goes into businesses and helps them, um, tells them how to be more philanthropic. He's actually the gentleman behind, he's 63 years old, you know, he's the gentleman behind the WizKids charity. Right, right. He founded that. Amazing. I met him about six years, about three, four years ago. Mavericks tend to be risk takers. What's the biggest risk you've taken in business to date? Oh, we've taken a few. We were starting it in the first place, mm-hmm. um, where we took all the, all the savings we had and cut our salaries. And that was sort of the first risk, uh, as relatively unknown people. Okay. Uh, the... Second risk was then we took pretty much all the cash we had and acquired a building. Okay. In order to grow the company. Right. So there's been a few times like that where we've yeah. okay. the money that was available okay. and risked it to grow, you know. Okay, so let me get this right. Do you do you only have this company? You don't have loads of different businesses. Okay. So in your in eighteen feet and under, how many ventures have you taken in the past five years? Ventures or projects? Oh, we've um We've probably won, um, maybe 25 different clients. Okay. Um, you know, yeah, we've probably engaged with at least 25 different clients okay. and probably had at least that many pieces of creative output that have gone out. Wonderful. Yeah. Now, what do you consider are the characteristics of a successful project? When the... Um, Output looks nothing. Looks like it couldn't have been done anywhere else. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, of the of the twenty five or so that you've done, 
How many of those fit that definition of success you just gave me? Most of them. I mean, 20... There's got to be a couple in there that arguably could have happened somewhere else. Okay. A good percentage, at least 20. At least 20 out of the 25. Okay. So what leads to successful execution of a project for you? Um, Just determination, mostly. Um, By yourself? By the team? By the... Team, yeah. So it's all team. Okay. Um, it's uh, so in our in our business, it would be um, belief in the creative instincts, no matter how absurd they seem. Okay. So, and helping prove those, you know, finding business reasons for those instincts to be trusted. Okay. And what do you do that makes the project successful? What do you bring to the table? Um. Belief internally. Um, so, you know, I'm a sensible one at the top, and if I, you know, if I'm okay with it, then um, people believe that it's okay. If that makes sense, because obviously, the risk has been ours to do this, and so if we back it, then the risks, you know, there is no risk. Okay. Um, the other one is um, mainly is um, showing some kind of leadership to our clients in as an entrepreneur. So we'll say, you know. Look, I've, I run my own business. I know what it's like to be at the, the hot end of running a business. Right. And, you know, I believe that you'll, you'll be okay if you go this way. So okay. I can have a big role in reassurance on both sides of the table. That's probably the main, the highest thing is okay. the reassurance you can provide both to your own team that they're okay and to the, the people trying to absorb it that it's okay. Which correlates to what you were saying earlier about having the empathy and the human yeah. skills to be able to say, I feel your pain, I understand where this is, I know I'm asking you to take a risk. From where I'm standing, from my experience, I would suggest this risk would be beneficial to you. That's the main, my main job. Okay, okay. When a project is unsuccessful, so out of the <laughs> five out of the 25 that you've said, yeah. Or any others that you think are unsuccessful, what do you consider was the main reason for the failure? You actually, I think it's you. We lost sight of ourselves. Ah, okay. Yeah, you're in the confusion, trying to be like something else or conform to something else, and then you everybody gets confused, and you kind of do neither one very well. It's really interesting because throughout the interview that crops up about staying determined and staying true to your path because it's so easy to be sidelined whether it's because oh if we if we just step off this and if we step off this conveyor belt momentum whatever you want to call it we're going to land this big deal. But are we happy with that or do we have to remain true to this because there's bigger better more true yeah. things to be achieved. Okay. Yeah. When it's gone wrong, you'll often look back and go, we just didn't, we just weren't ourselves. Yeah. As a maverick, what are you afraid of? Um, the mavericks don't win in the end. Mavericks <laughs> However you win define in that. Okay, yeah. okay. That's, uh, the, the market or the whatever um, denies you or, you know, denies its value. Mm. That's, that's pretty powerful. I've got to do something about that. Well, it's, it's the, you know, if it, yeah, if the world um, refuses to prove the value of 
Yeah. Independence, you know. Yeah. No, no, no. I. That's really kind of like I kind of feel like I need to go and through this work try and do something to rectify that in some way does that make sense because well it might do that because you're gathering opinion and momentum behind a common theme well one of the guys i interviewed he was vp for sony in columbia and walked away and now he's got a company where all he's trying to do is to help people find their purpose in life because he said columbia needed people who knew what their purpose was yeah so they can move the country forward i'm like whoa how important is team to you as a maverick? Very, I've talked a lot important. about yourself, but what about your team? Very, very important. Um, so most, I talked earlier about the where you can add the most value, and that's in that conversation that says, oh, you know, don't worry. Mm. But actually where most of my effort goes um, is on the um, gelling the team and the people. Yeah. Because they're always, you know, they're always coming undone or losing their confidence or getting confused or frustrated or whatever. So a lot of my material energy will be going into yeah. support, supporting them. And personally as well, it's full of support. Yeah. Um, the last research paper I actually wrote was about how um, to develop, take a dysfunctional team and make them so functional. Mm-hmm. And I did that with an East London hospital ward. Yeah, well. A children's ward. If you can do that, you can. Yeah, so. I can do that. We took, um, we had a we had team where we, we told this team they didn't work together, they weren't pulling together. I developed this team building program. I wrote the whole thing, went in, delivered it, and we ended up turning it around. Patient satisfaction went up through the roof. People were coming in on their Saturdays to help other people. They were doing all the things they were supposed to do, and they were working as a team. Well, it'd be cool. It'd be cool to see some of that work. Yeah, what I'll do is I'll I can. I will send you the research paper. I can take a team and make people who weren't even talking to each other act like they're best friends. Because I just see the hurdles. I, I tend to. The only way I can describe it, Jonathan, is I tend to see the world very differently. And when I go into a business meeting, I used to go to the business school, and they would be like. I'd go in and I'd have my Converse All-Stars and my pigtails and they'd look at me thinking, who the hell does she think she is? And they're all suited and booted. And they'd have all these ideas and then right at the end I'd go, well, have you thought about it like this? <laughs> and and they'd go, well, we don't even know how you got there. We have no idea how you got there. But it's if you read loads of different things and you you know... All human beings are human. Like when, when you're thinking about like your clients, yeah, when they're not willing to sign up because it's so outrageous, maybe the first thing you need to explore is, you know, why is it? Understand the human being. Why is it somebody who? Why is it about? What is it about them that everything outrage? It seems so outrageous, which doesn't seem outrageous to you. Yeah, that's right. So it's kind of finding the human factor in everything. You being a maverick and thinking the way you do, yeah, how does that affect your approach to leadership? So how do you lead? I've tried different ways. Right. Um, I, particularly when, once I started this, when I was in the corporations and stuff, in a way you learned and it was a little more formulaic. Um, and there I was just a kind of sort of a good, nice boss to be around that was supportive and, you know, let people be a little bit more. So that was, it was relatively straightforward. When we started this, I became more self-conscious about it because I didn't know if I was supposed to be 
more X or more Y as a leader or whatever. And again, kind of some things worked and some things I slightly lost my way. And what I've sort of found is that um, you don't have to be anything. You just have to be, um, you know, yourself and also be really clear about, be, you know, as be really, you can't over communicate enough your your purpose and what you're trying to do. Yeah. Um, And you can't over communicate enough. how you think it's going, whether that's some you know good days or bad days, and that they prefer to see the plight in its honest way than to try and be led or to have everything sort of spun so that it's going well all the time and all that kind of thing. That actually they're there, they 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 get it and they want to be around the sort of truth of it. If that makes sense, that's what I've that's what I've mainly found. It makes complete sense. What you just defined is authentic leadership. Mm. It's about authentic. You know, I. I'm the, if I go into a meeting, like I had to lead a group of people, and I just turn around and say, what are you guys good at? Mm. Right, so what would, if, if, okay, rather than going in and dictating, I always say to people, you tell me what you're good at. Now, this is what we're trying to achieve. What would be your best contribution to this? Rather than say, really and just, and people, and then you get buy-in. You get buy-in. Yeah. How and where did you get your permission to be a maverick? You have to give it to yourself. Yes. Yeah. You knew that straight away. Some people, they're like going around in circles and then I have to say, so who gave it to you? And then, <laughs> so yes, okay. There's a moment where you do it as well and um, you definitely look at yourself in the mirror and wonder if it's going to be okay. Yes. And even if it's not okay, it's okay because you know you're being true to, <laughs> it's okay because you're being true to yourself. Yeah, exactly. Is being a maverick related to creativity and how? Well, yeah, they're all the same. Um, creative, I love the word creativity. and um, it, it, All it really means is um, being comfortable with things that you don't know about or comfortable with things that we've, haven't been done before or um, comfortable with things that aren't fully defined or comfortable okay. with things that are not black and white it's just um i think it's all exactly the same so if you're in a way if you're comfortable with being a maverick that kind of means trying things different to everything else yeah by definition that's a version that's exactly being a creative person yeah it's almost like what i'm hearing you say is you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable yeah yeah there's things that are unknown we don't like them yeah how is being a maverick related to innovation um, it's the same, same yeah. as the creativity point. Okay. I mean, the only the only thing with innovation is it gets, as a word, it does get attached to. Let, let's say you know something being actually purposeful in the end in some way, shape, or form. I think creativity, if you want it to be purposeless, that's all right. Yeah. And the same with being a maverick, you know, in a way you're allowed to sort of play in a space. If it doesn't yield anything, don't worry. I think that when the word innovation comes in. I kind of tend to associate that with something that actually happens that yeah. needs to affect something or do something or change something versus just, hey, we're just feeling this space out now. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, so I think in that respect, you know, applied maverickness is innovation, if that makes sense. Um, wow. Pure maverickness. Okay, that's the it's quote the thing for the takes day. takes on a utility. Um, okay, mavericks tend to be learners. Yeah. What are you a student of? Um, I 
study um, anything that helps me understand how to create an environment in which creativity or people are sort of can, can be free to be more creative and then I equally study um, how to sell creativity or how to sell new ideas okay um, those are the two things I spend most of my time doing so I'll either be reading books about um, and some of them can be quite lateral from yeah uh, quite lateral from actually you know creative companies or stuff like that because it might be um, a talk on confidence or talk on something you know something that yeah. kind of goes you know is absolutely allied to that and then the other bit of it is this you know the salesmanship that we are working really hard on at the moment because um, I think again great ideas just don't sell themselves and to be able to get in and do that stuff effectively is yeah I can that I relate to I have a great idea I'm trying to figure out in my head how do I sell this and get this out into the world because obviously I'm well aware that people need this I know yeah. the I know the reason for it like most of the mavericks who speak to me one of the things that's really come out that's the human thing so I'm going to share it with you is the loneliness the isolation that, you know, sometimes you're in this world, you're surrounded by people, but you're in this vacuum almost. Yeah. And if I had, if I had, you know, a £10 note for everyone who's turned around and said to me, the biggest thing they want is this community of people they, who are perhaps like them, that they can talk to, almost like a... So that's kind of something I'm trying to do. Yeah. Do you draw on other mavericks in any way? I do, yeah. Well, it's, maybe I don't define them as mavericks, but they're definitely... I draw, I draw on sort of a few different sources. Let's say um, one will be people that, um, just as human beings, live their lives the way that, that, that I can relate to, no matter what they do. Okay. And they don't necessarily have anything allied to, to this business or yeah. they're not necessarily in business or entrepreneurs or anything like that. Um, so I find them a useful bearing mm -hmm. um, and then I find um, there are one or two people who are in very similar um, lines of work okay. or, or jobs you know, Stephen Green for example who you spoke to is one of them um, who's that man's know, a living like, legend yeah exactly Yeah, it's as simple so as that we'll spend time hanging out with him or whatever so a few people like that and then there are people who maybe aren't necessarily even mavericks or entrepreneurs, but they've just got great minds yeah. and a great perception on the world. And you can sometimes use them, usually that use them to sort of road test some of your thinking or to expand your thinking or to even work out how to get it into the system sometimes. So, okay. Um, Is there anyone who's a maverick that inspires you? Who jumps yeah. into your head? I mean, Stephen's one of them. I mean, I my... You know, the one that really stands out for me is always Steve Jobs, but everybody says that, so I kind of, um, I tend not to bother saying it, but that's, you know, that's definitely been one of mine since forever. Yeah. Um, he, he, um, he, he's the reason this Blooming Project exists. Yeah. In some way. Yeah. What do you have to suffer and sacrifice because you're a maverick, if anything? Um... You do have to suffer your connection a bit to the normal world. Excellent. I was when I was asking you that question, something shot through my head was somebody made me laugh because they said normality. Yeah. And I thought it was really funny that you just came up with that. What motivates you as a maverick? 
Um, what is it that makes you jump out of bed and think, I am going to create this advertising agency that's going to rock the planet and we're not going to do it like everybody else? I would think that you're going to make a breakthrough, you know. Um, that sort of end hope that you're going to make a breakthrough of some kind. You don't even know what it looks like yet, but you, you'll know it when you see it or you hope you'll know it when you see it. Okay. And then whatever you're doing in the particular day is usually working up towards that. So I'll be right. excited about whatever today's, especially the stuff where work, I'm working directly on the agency versus working on the clients. Okay. On the clients, often you can be doing meetings where it's it's not going to directly, it's kind of like a, yeah. it's kind of like padding for the real conversation. That's a good way yeah. of putting it. Padding for the real conversation. Is part of being a maverick related to finding out who you are and what you're capable of? That's what happens, yeah. Um, I don't know whether that's where it started, but that's that's definitely um, a um, good thing. And that's one of the other frightening things of it as well, is because, of course, because, you know, um, it is allied to you and you your own you can't blame anything else you can't go oh well it was the company I was working for or the boss I had all this yeah. kind of stuff so it definitely in it's going to expose exactly what you can do to its fullest and in a way you're frightened of that yeah. falling short yes do you like being a maverick yeah I do is being a maverick an important or a responsibility in any way I think so yeah I think it's a huge responsibility. I think it's the I think it's the um, responsibility to be your true self. Yes. Somebody, um, somebody said, um, Mavericks are the people who change the world and take it forward. So yes, we have a responsibility, um, even though the rest of the world may not need think they need it and may be knocking us down all the time. Yeah, exactly. That, yeah. And that's kind of what I'm saying that to you because I kind of heard that through your. Throughout yeah. the interview, I think also just on a human level, that is allied to being the best you can, best version of yourself you can be. Yes. Um, and I think that's probably a responsibility to yourself. So right, it is. On a scale of one to ten, how maverick are you? Ten. You think you're ten? Great. Definitely. Okay. What, what advice would you give to someone who feels they're a maverick so that they can be the best possible maverick they could be? I think um, it's really easy to give platitudes, I think, at this point. I'm trying to think of something kind of um, concrete. I think, um, I think write down, you know, uh, the highest possible version of, you know what you think it is what you think your purpose is and um and then think of the tiniest steps towards it and keep doing those tiny steps and don't come off them and that would be the sort of practical thing yeah Um, because people get a bit lost as to where to start and i think the um because it starts with just have a conversation with someone about it you know it doesn't have to start with you've raised the finance you know so i think that i would say set the purpose out and then start with the tiniest little actions and then that would be the practical and then spiritual, just say, don't be afraid, you know, don't be frightened to um, to be yourself. I think that would be... Okay. Yeah. How do you promote and serve other people to be mavericks? Um, I uh, reward on the basis of attitude rather than achievement. Wow. Um, yeah. Okay. So, 
so it doesn't matter you know you have to sort of get off this your chips go up when the the goals are scored because that's not the point the goals will be scored kind of maybe by luck maybe by it was the right moment exactly maybe, maybe because of the previous three years that had gone into it yeah um but really by the effort displayed to to get there you know and the the attitude displayed to get there wow that is yeah. a real maverick attitude most people on this planet reward on results remember Yes, that's pretty yeah. yeah, If you think about it, I was like thinking, bugger, I'd work for you. With my attitude, I'd be killing it. <laughs> yeah, right. Would be. How do um, how do you promote and serve yourself to be a maverick? Um, so the best way at the, at the moment is um, actually taking care of yourself, which is not the not the um it sounds it sounds easy but it's actually not it's the last thing you kind of get to so at the moment i'm finding that running uh, a few times a week and sleeping lots actually is the i'm just finding it so sort of um the best way i can look after myself and feel happier actually but then other things yeah can be um the other one i like is just having space and where i don't have to um because uh, people expect you to be a certain way, I think, in certain environments, particularly because I'm the front of the house and the companies have to spend time in environments where people are... People do have an expectation of what yes. they expect. To see, and they, they will judge the company accordingly on it, and so there's a level of conformity. So I really like to be able to spend time in spaces with people I know really well where I don't have to be or live up to the magic yeah. or anything else. Yeah. I can just be, uh, you know... Uh, Chill. Stupid. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Chill and be dark, stupid. Shit all the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, what's your biggest ambition right now? Um, well, we have. Um, I think it's to keep. I think it's to keep going because we just. I've just been through a stage of um, sort of realigning the the vision a little bit and refining the purpose. Um, and I think it's to to really take that nice space that we found. We've been doing this for four years now. Okay. So what's kind of happened is towards the end of four years, there's been some calcification of the purpose. Yes. Because of just being in business. So we've taken all the calcification off and it's like a, you know, it's a nice shiny prong again. And I think that my sort of big ambition at the moment is to sort of stay in that space. Right. And really, now that we have a little bit of experience as well behind us, to use that experience to really go even purer and harder um, at it versus getting a bit lost in some of the things we've had to sort of learn about along the way and what have you. Okay, we'll have a different conversation because I'd like to help you with that. Right. If you could have a superhero power, what would it be? Um, can you, like, read people's minds? Is that allowed? Yes, you can, you can yeah, have anything. that would be great. Hey, this is our... Piece of work. We could do whatever we like. So read people's minds. I think read minds would be great. Okay. What do you do for fun? Um, go to the pub. Uh, talk to friends who are in it and laugh and joke about it. Uh, I, actually, you know what I do most of the time is um, is socialise with the people here in the office. Is one of my one of my big fun I really really enjoy that wow uh, that's good because to spend time with those people socially when you spend time with them 24-7 at work is yeah. it says a lot about you it says a lot yeah. about your organisation it also says a lot about the people who are in your team <laughs> so I like being with them final uh, question for the interview sorry go on 
No, no, I didn't just buy the one that is but the opposite is just when I uh, get a bit of spare time and not thinking about work for my uh, son. Your son? Yeah. Awesome. Final question for the interview. What would you like to have been asked that I haven't asked you? Um, I don't know, maybe are you happy? Oh, okay. Uh, That's a deep question to ask someone. But, yeah, valid point. Thank you very much for letting me interview you. I'm going to switch the recorder off and then I'm going to tell you a little bit about what I'm doing with this. Okay.